The office of U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said on Monday that he will meet with President Tsai Ing-wen during her Los Angeles transit. The meeting will be at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, and a group of bipartisan lawmakers will also be present. This marks the first time in over 40 years that a Taiwan president has met with such a high-ranking U.S. official during a transit. China has threatened retaliation, and in response, Taiwan's foreign ministry said that China's response to Tsai's transit had become, quote, increasingly absurd. The office of U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has confirmed a long-rumored meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen. He and Tsai are set to meet at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. The event will be hosted by McCarthy with a bipartisan group of lawmakers in attendance. In response, China lodged its strong objection. The relevant U.S. congressman needs to abide by the One China principle and the Three China-U.S. joint communiques, refrain from sending wrong signals to Taiwan independence forces, and avoid undermining the China-U.S. relations and peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. China will take resolute measures to safeguard its sovereignty and territorial integrity. The criticism coming from China's foreign ministry over President Tsai's visit and transit is getting increasingly absurd. Their claims about safeguarding its sovereignty and territorial integrity are completely divorced from reality and are not worth commenting on. The U.S.'s National Security Council also responded to Beijing. We've uh, certainly seen some rhetoric coming out of uh, Beijing with respect to President Tsai and Wang's uh, transit. That rhetoric was not unexpected. And as I talked about this last week, there's no reason for the Chinese to overreact here. To quote former U.S. President Ronald Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Engaging with other democratic countries is the right of Taiwan's 23 million people. There is no room for China to comment on the matter. We look forward to the meeting, which will happen on April 5th, U.S. Western Time at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Los Angeles. Tsai will sit with McCarthy and bipartisan members of Congress to exchange ideas. Taiwanese in the U.S. say the location for the meeting is especially significant. The six assurances were a product of the Reagan administration, so it is a meaningful location, I think. It shows that the U.S. and Taiwan stand together on the same side. McCarthy will be the highest-ranking U.S. official that Tsai will meet during her transit. The public disclosure of the meeting is a rare move for both sides and is seen as a breakthrough for Taiwan-U.S. relations. President Tsai Ing-wen is now in Belize after a three-day visit to neighboring Guatemala. On her first full day in Belize, she gave a speech at the country's National Assembly. Tsai emphasized that the friendship between Taiwan and Belize was true and not built on empty promises. She also condemned China's attempts to erode Taiwan's diplomatic space. Belizean Prime Minister John Briseño presents President Tsai Ing-wen with a certificate of a resolution in support of Taiwan. Tsai's last visit to Belize's National Assembly was just five years ago. This time, she once again hailed the friendship between the two countries. The friendship between Taiwan and Belize is not built on empty promises or the political whims of our leaderships. This is a friendship that for the past 34 years has led to results that have benefited people from both our countries. Tsai's speech was well received by the Belize lawmakers, who knocked their desks in approval. 
Tsai continued, adding that Taiwan faced constant oppression on the international stage. The people of Taiwan face constant threats and pressure from the neighbor on the other side of the Taiwan Strait. While Taiwan's relationship with democracies around the world have grown stronger in recent years, we continue to be excluded from participating in international organizations and serving as a productive member of the international community. Tsai said Taiwan was continually blocked from participating in the global community. Not only that, just before Tsai's tour, Taiwan lost its Central American ally of Honduras, which switched allegiance to Beijing. While we recognize that there are countries that cease to insert that wedge into the, this friendship, we have remained close because of our common values and our shared vision for a more prosperous and peaceful future. We will also continue to work together to demonstrate that democracies help one another and we deliver. Tsai said that in the presence of true friends, she wanted to reaffirm Taiwan's commitment to its partnership with Belize. It's been a beautiful start to the week with mostly clear skies island-wide. But that's not been much help for the drought. Taoyuan's Shimen Reservoir has dropped below 50% capacity. While the nearby Feitui Reservoir will ensure the north's water supplies through May, the situation is getting dire down south with Zengwen Reservoir now at just 11.3% capacity. Early in the morning on Children's Day, people took advantage of the fine weather, walking to parks with their children and their pets. During this year's tomb-sweeping holiday, Taiwan is seeing less rainfall than in previous years. Before, there would be some rain around tomb-sweeping festival, but this year there's hardly any. There's just this bright sunshine. Officials say the water supply in the north will remain stable until the end of May. In Taoyuan, parts of Xinzhu and other areas under the jurisdiction of the Shimen Reservoir, the water supply will remain stable until the end of May. But the situation is less optimistic in central and southern Taiwan. At Agongtian Reservoir, the water storage level has dipped below 30 percent. Storage at the Hushan and Renyintan Reservoirs is also on the decline. Although supplies at Baihe and Zenwen Reservoirs have risen slightly, they're still at 17.5 and 11.3 percent, respectively. The Water Resources Agency is prepared to introduce contingency measures, such as wells and subsurface water sources. Until more rainfall arrives, the public is urged to conserve water. Amid global warming, companies around the world are thinking of ways to develop clean energy technologies such as electric vehicles and sustainable fuels. An international green energy company from Germany is in Taiwan to introduce the benefits of green hydrogen, a type of hydrogen fuel that's produced during renewable using renewable electricity. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the CEO to learn more about this fuel of the future. Clean energy technologies such as electric vehicles and hydrogen sustainable fuels are some of the hottest topics today as companies find ways to decarbonize the transportation industry. For years, hydrogen has served as a clean alternative to fossil fuels. Electrolyzers, which use electricity to extract hydrogen from water, have provided a carbon-free energy carrier to run cars and generators and to provide power to buildings. But implementation has been slow. 
Green hydrogen is needed for um, um, to reduce um, CO2 footprint. So if we really want to uh, battle against um, um, global warming, then we need a fossil-free world. And this can be done only with hydrogen. Most of the systems which are cheap today coming from China, and they are alkaline systems, means uh, highly complicated systems which built by engineers and also maintained by engineers. So when we apply um, technology advantage, so what we have learned from ship industry, so we understand that mass fabrication and scaling is important. And here we need other technologies. And IM is the only technology which can be um, applied for this kind of use case. Green hydrogen adoption has been limited by high costs and often requires huge engineering efforts, time and people. An international green hydrogen technology company launched in Germany hopes to solve this problem by developing an electrolyzer with patented anion exchange membranes, or AEM, which are cheaper compared to membranes traditionally used to create green hydrogen. The electrolyzer can be applied in smaller sites, such as in households, as well as large industrial parks. This is a new breakthrough in hydrogen production. I am specific, um, relatively easy to build. Um, we don't need um, high purity water. And the system itself does not need titanium or iridium, which are the most cost driver for PEM. And as um, the systems can be built um, relatively small, we, it allows mass fabrication, and with mass fabrication, it goes down in price. And uh, we can beat the lowest cost price systems from China, actually. The team believes that hydrogen can be applied in maritime, long distance transportation, and other fields. On a trip to Taiwan, the CEO of the company says they are expecting to test 20 electrolyzer in Tainan. Um, I think Taiwan is a country where energy independence is extremely important and here you need um, smaller um, energy systems um, all over in the country and here hydrogen is a very good alternative for storing energy um, for a longer time. So batteries and hydrogen always go hand in hand but if it comes to longer time storing energy it's always hydrogen is the, the, the better future. The company currently has several official partners in Taiwan. It hopes to push for green hydrogen adoption in Taiwan and across the globe. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Hong Kai in Taipei. And here's something for school children in Taipei to look forward to. By order of the mayor, all city schools must pick a day in April to switch class and recess durations. This means that a 10-minute lesson will be followed by 40-minute breaks. We'll tell schools that they can approach this with some flexibility. They can implement the switch the whole day or just part of the day and decide the class end times and the content. The main thing is to let the students be in charge of their own learning. The mayor says that during each 40-minute break, students can spend their time however they please, whether it's playing, exercising, reading or chatting with friends. Breakfast is getting more expensive as the cost of eggs continues to surge. One breakfast shop tells us that eggs are now 70% more expensive than they were in January. This month, the shop raised prices by 5NT for products containing eggs. According to the central bank, the impact of eggs on inflation will be limited. 
Even if egg prices rise 40 or 30 percent, and even if prices continue to rise, the proportion of household spending on eggs isn't that high. So the impact on the CPI should be small, and any ripple effects should be limited. Supply and demand imbalances are sending egg prices higher and higher. The price of eggs trickles into many different product categories, so measuring the impact is not as simple as looking at the egg on its own. The expert says that eggs affect costs in breakfast, baking and food processing. He said that when retail businesses raise prices, consumers spend more to buy the same things and will directly feel the impact of inflation. Springtime is mating season for birds. You might have seen feathered friends building nests in trees or on the sides of the buildings near you. But birds that choose electricity poles for homes are out of luck. An electricity pole is a dangerous place for baby birds and they can damage the power supply. The Thai Power Maintenance Team works hard all spring to remove birds' nests from its facilities. But scaling a power pole five or six meters into the air to gently remove a nest is a big job. We went out with the team to see how it works. It's no simple task to dismantle a bird's nest perched atop an electricity pole. Thai Power's maintenance team wear insulated uniforms from head to toe to scale the pole. This time, a stairlift is on the mission too, carrying another Thai Power official who's here to survey the terrain. One member of the team pushes the nest up, while another waits to pack it into a large plastic bag. This nest is empty, so it can be removed quite easily. If the team found eggs or baby birds inside, they would take the nest carefully to a safe place or give the birds to a sanctuary. When birds build nests, inside there are not just twigs. There can also be iron wire, like this, which can touch the life parts of the electricity pole. That can cause accidents and affect the power supply of users. In this scorching weather, the team have to wear impenetrable, insulated clothing above the chest. When they get down from the pole, sweat has drenched their hands, not to mention their inner clothes. After the nest has been cleared, this scarecrow device is attached to the pole. It uses reflected light to drive birds away. Hopefully, next year, another family of birds won't decide to build their home here. The resort's World One cruise ship has embarked on its maiden voyage from Hong Kong to Kaohsiung. The luxury liner now calls both cities home and it will travel between them twice a week. Resorts World Home is the first cruise ship to resume regular travel to Taiwan after the pandemic. The colossal ship boasts over 900 rooms and can accommodate more than 1,800 passengers. 78 sailings are already scheduled for this year, with tourism revenue estimated at 1.68 billion NT. New Taipei has a very special team of emergency first aiders who are faster than all the rest. The New Taipei Cyclist Rescue Team responds to emergencies for the fire department, reaching patients on cycle routes across the city. They're equipped with all the essentials for most cycling injuries, as well as defibrillators for cardiac arrest patients. And they can reach many locations in less than five minutes, much faster than an ambulance. The fire department gets a call, and responders rush to the scene at Bitan Cycle Path in New Taipei. 
A pedestrian has been hit by a cyclist coming up behind her, but her injuries have been completely tended to by two members of the cycle rescue team long before an ambulance arrives. The members of the cycle rescue team check their kits and hop on their bikes to begin a mission. These new Taipei first aid experts traverse the city's cycle routes with these red first aid kits on board, like tiny two-wheeled ambulances. They've got bandages for simple wounds and all the typical first aid essentials. If the patient is having a heart attack, they've also got an AED defibrillator. The cyclist rescue team formed in 2008 and can be seen on patrol and cycle paths throughout Danshui, Bali and Xindian districts. There are internal and external injuries. For external injuries, we have some external bandaging tools. For internal injuries, the patient might have heat stroke, low blood pressure or low blood sugar. With our flexible response, we get to the patient first, help to assess their condition and decide if they need to go to emergency care. If you call 119 from a cycle route, it's quite likely the ambulance will get stuck in a traffic jam on its way to you. The paramedics will have to walk on the path to reach you, and it will take at least 15 minutes. By contrast, the cycle rescue team can maneuver easily, avoid jams, and reach you within 5 minutes. Once I heard on the wireless that there was a fire at B-Town Suspension Bridge, we happened to be right nearby, so we could reach the scene first, a lot faster than the fire trucks, and we could start responding straight away, which prevented the fire from spreading. The team can respond immediately to any emergency in their jurisdiction, so next time you see a first aid kit whiz past you in a cycle path, you know help is on the way. Now we head to Taidong to meet a baker with a passion for charity. Huang Junrong learned to bake from his father before studying in Taipei. Now back in his hometown, his store is famous among locals for its commitment to giving away free bread and cakes. Apart from donating the loaves they can't sell every day, they also give away hundreds of free pineapple buns every month. Fresh pineapple buns emerge from the oven with a crispy crust and a fluffy center, their delicious aroma filling the kitchen. Outside the store, a long line of customers waits patiently. Every month, this Taidong City baker announces a day when it will give out free pineapple buns to all its neighbors. We sold them at first, sometimes for 5 NT, or we did buy one and get one free, and sometimes we just gave them away. But there aren't many, just 500 or 600 over two days. When they're gone, they're gone. It boosts the sword profits a little. Baker Huan Jinrong was learning how to bake from his father when he was just a little boy. He became an apprentice to a Taipei baker to refine his skills, before returning to his hometown of Taidong. He still continues his father's baking traditions, but adds some innovative twists of his own, at this his own bakery. Aware that he only learned what he knows with the help of others, he wants to give back to society and support the most vulnerable. We give bread away every day, the bread we didn't sell that day. 
If a loaf goes two days without selling, then we always give it away. Cakes too. We give them to homes for disabled people, social welfare organizations, and care homes for older adults. Huang is grateful to have a profession that makes him a good living while supporting his community and lifting up those with less privilege. We go now to a tiny restaurant in rural Kaohsiung, where the traditions of Taiwan's military cuisine are kept alive. Military dependence villages were set up for the KMT troops and their families in the 1940s. They couldn't use open fires, so they developed a special cuisine based on gentle methods like steaming. A stewardship program is encouraging Kaohsiung residents to move into the old villages and take care of the historical buildings. One woman to answer the call is Lü Jingjing. Along with her husband, she has opened a cozy traditional eatery in an old complex first built by the Japanese army. An egg wrapper is filled with seasoned minced meat to create a handmade egg dumpling, this restaurant's specialty. A special sauce is poured onto this cabbage, followed by egg dumplings. They simmer until tender and full of flavor. This dish is another customer favorite, fermented tofu and pork cheek. This is the place for authentic Shanghainese cuisine. We love the environment here in the old military dependence village because my husband's parents used to live in one. And so Kaohsiung city government is running a stewardship program for military dependence villages. And that gave us the chance to come and live in a Japanese dormitory for a general or a high-ranking officer. Lü Jinjin has always wanted to live on a small bit of her own land far from the matting crowd. Now this small eatery is tucked away in Huang New Village in Kaohsiung's Fengshan District. The Japanese dorm, decorated in traditional style plus wholesome home-cooked food, make customers feel relaxed and cozy. It's a very special restaurant and a very pleasant atmosphere. The residents of military-dependence villages developed their own cuisine, adapting to the ban on open fires in the villages. Most dishes are steamed or stewed on an electric hot plate. Sour Chinese mustard greens is one of the best love recipes, which Lu pickles by hand. Space is limited in the cozy eatery, so booking is essential. But a banner above the door invites neighbors to come in and be welcome anytime.